0: Hello, and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. Uh, This episode was supposed to air last week, and I thought it did. Uh, Well, at least I thought the blog went up, but apparently I forgot to actually post it. And uh, I tried to record the audio for it three times, and I was having technical difficulties, and finally I just decided to give up on it. Um not much of an excuse but I've been extremely busy I'm getting married in the fall and I've and I've got all kinds of other things going on right now and but I'm still trying to devote as much as my of my time as possible to the podcast so that um, all of you who have been faithfully listening will still get the podcast and also so that people who Uh, are just now discovering the podcast, uh, will find it and still find things that are relevant to them that will help them in their lives. And I just recently uh, got an email from somebody in Korea telling me that they came across one of my podcast episodes and that it helped them out. Uh, This episode is called Here's Your Sign." And no, it is not about the uh, comedian where he does the here's your sign bit. That's not it at all. This is, uh, I saw a church, uh, I'm a, I do deliveries for work sometimes, and, or, and I was out doing a delivery a while back, and I saw a sign on a church that said, if you're looking for a sign, this is it. You're welcome here. And a lot of people, knowing full well what they should be doing, say they're looking for a sign. A sign that will tell them whether or not they should do it. And then, when they get a sign, they ignore all of the blatantly obvious signs that they are given because the signs aren't telling them what they want to hear. There are many instances in life where people ignore the signs that are clearly before them, such as the signs of a bad relationship. But I think the most important sign people often refuse to see or listen to are the signs that they should follow God and signs that they should return to church. Some people say that they are waiting to go to church and that they are waiting to follow God until they see a sign, but then they discount every sign they see because they don't actually want to go to church or follow God. There were times in the Bible when righteous people asked for a sign from heaven such as Gideon when he was asked to lead an army, but when something is clearly laid out in the Bible there is no need for any additional signs on the matter. A lot of people say they don't know what God expects of them and that's why they won't go to church, and yet they've not spent any real time reading the Bible which is the Word of God. I think a lot of people would have a pretty good idea of what God wants for them if they read the Bible. It's clear in the Bible that God wants us to worship him and to gather with other believers, Hebrews 10.25, but there is no clear call for individuals to fight a war, much less lead an army against an enemy that is far stronger and more equipped for battle, which is the case of Gideon. If I was told to lead an army, I would need a little reassurance, or rather, I would actually need a lot of reassurance. I can't fault Gideon for making sure it was actually God who was asking him to lead the army, because on the surface it probably seemed ridiculous. He was not only uh, from the least tribe, he was the least in his household. And he didn't know anything about war. But God wanted everybody to know that it was him that saved him and not Gideon. That's why he didn't pick somebody that was a brilliant strategist. And in the Bible, and Judges chapter seven verses one through forty. And this is from the New King James Version. It says, "Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years, and the hands of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had uh, sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them, and they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the ground as far as Gaza, and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming as numerous as locusts, Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So the Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of the Lord, sorry, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you out of the of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hands of all those who oppress you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their lands. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God, do not fear the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine breast in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty men of valor. And by the way, uh, this is the first and only time that God has called anyone a mighty man of valor. And this was before he had done a single thing. This is while he was just still the least in his household and the least tribe. And he was and uh, he hadn't done anything yet at this point when the Lord called him a mighty man of valor. Anyhow, back to the scripture. Gideon said to him, hmm. O oh my Lord, If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sinned to you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you. who will talk to me, Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out an offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought them to him under the tabernacle tree and presented them. And the angel of God said, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And so he did. Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. The fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, so Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face then the lord said to him peace be with you do not fear you shall not die so gideon built an altar to the lord and called it the lord is peace to this day it is still in opera of the abbas i'm probably not saying that right now it came to pass <clears throat> now it came to pass that same night that the lord said to him take up your father's young bull the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants, and did as the Lord had said to him, But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city uh, too much to do it by day, he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal torn down, and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was being offered on the altar which had been built. So they said one to another, Who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon the son of Joash has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plead for Baal? Would you, have, uh, would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. For if he is God, let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Therefore on that day he called him Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. Then the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew a trumpet, for the Abraharsites and gathered behind him, and he sent messages throughout all Manasseh who gathered behind him. So he also sent messages to Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali, and they came to meet him. Them. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, and it was so. So when he rose early the next morning and squeezed all the fleece together, he wrung dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it be dry on the fleece, but all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. And as I said... I can completely understand why Gideon wanted to have some assurance that it was actually God telling him to go to battle, because if it wasn't, that would be a a mistake, would be an understatement. And so, also I don't know why um, there's a whistle when I talk right now, Um, yeah, I don't usually whistle when I talk. but last few days, when I say certain words, there's a whistle, and I don't know why, so if it's annoying, I apologize for that. But um, moving on, uh, in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22, in the New King James Version, um, well, actually, before that, (coughs) before I get to that, I'll say that um, there are times when a person is not capable of changing their behavior without divine intervention, and God will send an unmistakable sign, such as when Jesus interacted with Saul on the road to Damascus. But that's the exception uh, rather than the rule. And um, with, without such intervention, Saul would never have become Paul the Apostle and instead would have continued killing Christians thinking that he was doing God a service. Now there are times when we're so misguided that we can't accept the signs because they're contrary to what we think is right and God has to smack us over the head with truth. And sometimes we don't want to see or accept the signs because we don't want to and other times we are simply not capable of accepting them until God intervenes in our life such as it was with Paul or Saul and uh, we're going to read that now Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way and by the way um, early Christians didn't call themselves Christians Um, they called their movement the way and so they were in the way rather than saying they were Christians, and so uh, so when that's where, when you read in the Bible and it says they were of the way, that's what it's referring to. So basically, they, if they were in the way, or of the way, they, they're Christians, so followers of Jesus. And so, you know, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed near Damascus, and it and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonishing, and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, I'm rising, go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the man who who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street that is called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief of priests to bind all who call on your name. But the lord said to him go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the gentiles kings and children of israel for i will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake and at this point i always have to wonder if ananias ever told paul what god said to him about how much he must suffer or if god told him that or but either way Paul definitely figured out that he had to suffer for God's uh, sake. Anyhow, back to scripture. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Paul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem, and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. And so waiting for a sign that we are to change our lives and follow God made about as much sense as waiting for a sign as to whether or not we should go to the hospital for our sickness or injury, as if being in massive pain were not enough of a sign on its own. A lot of people in this world are hurting both from their own actions and those of other people, and yet they're not willing to do the one thing that would have the biggest benefit of their, in their life, both here and in the eternity. If you need a sign to tell you that you should seek out a relationship with God and even go to church, then consider this your sign, consider the Bible your sign, and consider how flawed and broken the world is a sign. Even if you can't visit a church in person right now where you live due to local restrictions resulting from the pandemic, you should visit a local church online, listen to the sermons, and reach out to the church so that they can get to know you and you can get to know them. And then as soon as you can visit in person, and I would strongly recommend that you sign up, that you uh, join a home group or small, small group Bible study which in my opinion is actually even more important than attending a church service because it's those real connections you make with people that make a bigger difference than just sitting in a pew and listening to a preacher. Uh, Thanks for listening, stay safe, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.